0: Chapter Four of Basil, or Honesty and in Industry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Robert Harder. Basil, or Honesty and in Industry, by C. G. O'Brien. Chapter Four. It's never too late to mend. When Basil awoke the next morning, he felt a little stiff in the arms from the exercise of the preceding day, but there was a joyous feeling in his heart to which he had long been a stranger. Before he left his room he knelt down, and whilst thanking God again and again for his late mercies, besought his protection for the coming day. He was dressed long before the other members of the family, and taking a can with him started off to a farm about half a mile distant where he spent half of his earnings of the day before in purchasing a quart of skim milk. It was a large dairy farm, and the farmer's wife used to sell the milk, after the cream had been taken off it, to the poor people of the neighborhood. She knew how badly off Basil and his brothers and sisters frequently were for food, and kindly gave him nearly double measure. Basil hastened home with his can full of milk, raked up the dry embers of the previous evening's wood fire put on a few more sticks, and soon had a nice bowl of bread and milk ready for his mother's breakfast. Mrs. Green had to leave home very early to meet the carrier's cart. "'This is kind of you, Basil,' said his mother, as she sat down to her nice hot meal. "'I knew you'd be the better of something warm, mother, when you had such a long ride before you, and I've plenty of milk left for the others, and some for Father too, if he likes, for Mrs. Adkins gave me nearly two quarts for my twopence." You're a good boy, Basil, and I'm sure I needn't tell you to be careful about baby till I come back. I know you'll take good care of her. I'll just ask neighbor Allen, as I pass there presently, to look in some time to-day and see how you are getting on." There were not many arrangements to make before leaving home. Some potatoes constituted the day's dinner, and Basil knew well how to boil them. Jacob Green promised to bring in a loaf for their suppers, so the simple meals were soon settled. Basil could not go with his mother to see her off, because of the baby, but he watched her as far as he could see her, until she turned off into the lane leading to the mill-pond. Then he returned into the cottage and gave the children their breakfasts, feeding Baby carefully himself. The little greens had never been taught any habits of neatness or tidiness, so nothing was further from Basil's thoughts than any attempt to clean up the cottage. The younger children played about in the dirt, as was their general custom, and Basil amused himself with nursing the baby, of whom he was very fond. The little thing went to sleep for a couple of hours in the morning, and then Basil fetched some water from the well and peeled the potatoes ready for dinner. Then when baby woke up again, he took a small three-legged stool and sat down at the cottage door nursing his little sister. It was about twelve o'clock in the day when some of the young ones who were playing on the green just beyond the cottage garden came running up to Basil, exclaiming in loud and earnest tones, "'Lady on white pony, Basil! Lady on white pony!' Basil hurried down the garden with the baby in his arms, and there, sure enough, was a lady on a beautiful white pony, with a servant behind her on a large horse. They were riding fast across the village green in the direction of Jacob Green's cottage. It was such an unusual sight in those quiet parts that the children all stood in a group, staring at the approaching stranger, and it was only when they saw that the lady was really slackening her pace and was about to stop at their cottage that they drew back abashed and hid themselves behind the hedge. Basil could not hide himself having the baby in his arms, so he remained standing where he was and looking quite confused. "'Good morning, my little man,' said the lady in a gentle voice, which made Basil look up at her face. She was quite a young lady and had a pleasant countenance and long, light hair. Basil thought he had never seen anyone so beautiful. "'Good morning, my little man. Will you tell me whose cottage is this?' And dismounting from her pony as she spoke, she approached Basil. "'Father's name is Green, ma'am.' "'I suppose he is out at work. Is your mother at home?' "'No, ma'am. She's gone to West Bay. To fetch home Sister Annie. Will she be at home this evening? No, not till to-morrow night, ma'am. And are you keeping house for her in absence? Yes, ma'am. I see you make a good little nurse. It is not often that boys can hold a baby so handily. Are you the eldest? Yes, ma'am. And what is your name? Basil, ma'am. Well, then, Basil— said the lady, smiling. Will you tell your mother that Miss Hamilton has been to see her? I dare say she will scarcely remember me, for I was quite a little girl when I was obliged to leave home and go abroad for my health. It has pleased Almighty God to make me quite well and strong, and I am now come to live at home again. My reason for calling on your mother was to inquire whether all her children attend the Sunday-school. "'You go there, of course. Do your little brothers also?' added the lady as she saw several little pairs of eyes peeping up from behind the hedge. I go sometimes, but not often, said Basil, colouring, but I mean to try and be more regular in the future. That is right, Basil. You know it is, after all, only leaving home an hour or so earlier. Mother's very poor, ma'am, said Basil, and often I've not had clothes good enough to go in. Never mind your clothes, how poor they are, said Miss Hamilton there's one thing you can always do, and that is, have clean hands and face and your hair neatly combed. Basil colored, for he felt that his hands and face were anything but clean just then, and that his hair was sadly tangled. Miss Hamilton noticed his confusion and did not further allude to that subject. Perhaps she felt that his mother was more to blame than he was. "'Well, Basil, shall I see you on Sunday? I'm going to form a class of boys which I hope to teach myself.' "'Would you like to be in my class?' "'Very much indeed, ma'am,' and he stammered a little, and then said, "'I will be sure and have clean hands and face then, ma'am.' "'That's right, Basil. Tell your mother I will call next week, when I shall hope to find her at home, and then I shall expect to see you on Sunday.' "'Meanwhile don't you think you can manage to pull up a few of these weeds?' And she pointed with her riding-whip to the piece of weedy ground which ought to have been a productive garden. "'This nice large piece of ground would, if properly cultivated, bring in a good stock of vegetables. It is not too late now to plant winter cabbages, and if you will have a portion of the ground weeded and dug up by the time I come next week, I will give you plenty of cabbage-plants to put in it.' "'I'll try,' said Basil. "'Father has often said he wished it was done, but he's home so late that he hasn't time.' "'But it will be an amusement for you, Basil, and I hope some day to give prizes for the best-kept cottage-gardens.' Yours would not have much chance at present, but it is never too late to mend, my boy, continued the lady, kindly, as she remarked, Basil's downcast look. Can you read, Basil? Pretty well, ma'am. I will give you this little book of pretty hymns, said Miss Hamilton, taking one out of her pocket, and if you can learn one verse for me by Sunday, I shall be much pleased. She then read the first verse of the hymn, beginning, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Saviour, once became a child like me. Do you love your Saviour, Basil? Not as much as I ought, ma'am, said Basil, with tears in his eyes. Few of us do that, I'm afraid, said the young lady, in a sad tone. But you can pray to him, and ask him for his Holy Spirit. You know he has promised to give to them that ask him. And you know how he said, Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not." We will talk more about that when I see you on Sunday, Basil. And now good-bye. So saying, she put the little hymn-book into Basil's hand, and beckoning to the man-servant to bring her pony, she remounted and was out of sight in a few moments. It seemed like a dream to Basil, and he stood looking in the direction which the pony had taken long after it was out of sight. This visit seemed another special mercy to Basil. He had been half afraid lest his father and mother should object to his going to school on Sunday, and had not yet mentioned the subject to them. Now he felt almost sure of their consent, since Miss Hamilton had been to ask them to let him go. He felt very, very happy, and having got little Willie to hold the baby whilst he got the potatoes ready, the children had their frugal dinner. Baby went to sleep directly afterward, and then Basil set to work to pull up some of the weeds in the garden. His little brothers were glad to help him, and having found the iron part of an old hoe, Basil made a rough handle for it of one of the pieces of wood he had brought home. This enabled him to get on famously, and by the time his father came home from work, there was a great space of ground cleared and all the weeds collected together in a heap. "'Well done, Basil,' said his father. "'That's what I call doing some good.' Basil then related all about Miss Hamilton's visit and her promise about the cabbage-plants. "'If you'll lend me your spade, father, I might dig up a little this evening.' "'I guess you'd hardly be able to lift it, lad. It's too heavy for you, Basil.' The boy looked disappointed. "'If I hadn't promised to go into the village this evening—' And Jacob Green hesitated. "'I'll tell you what I'll do, boy. I'll give you half an hour at all events.' Jacob set to work and soon dug up a good piece of the ground the children had cleared. He told Basil they might set fire to the weeds they had collected. This was fine fun. The boys called it a bonfire, and shouted in hurrahed as the smoke arose in thick columns. The fire burned longer than was expected, and by the time it had become nearly extinguished Jacob found it would be almost too late to think of going to the village, that he might as well make a good evening's work of it whilst he was about it. So before he left off the whole piece of weeded ground was well dug up, and Basil was happy to think that the half-moon would not have his father's company that night. Jacob had brought home the loaf as he had promised, and they ate the remainder of the dripping with it. "'What book is that, yonder?' said he, as he caught sight of the hymn-book with its bright cover. "'Miss Hamilton gave it to me, father. Shall I read some of it to you?' Jacob Green had never been much of a scholar, and of late years had neglected what little he ever did know. He felt rather proud, though, to think his son could read, and told him he should like to hear some of his new book. Basil had been studying the hymn Miss Hamilton had marked for him, and was therefore able to read it quite fluently from beginning to end. "'You're quite a scholar, Basil, and I've no doubt you'll be a better man than I am some of these days. I never took much to learning when a boy, or I might have been very different now. I think I must try and let you go to school regularly for a bit, if your mother can spare you.' Oh, father, how good! Nay, nay, Basil, it's nothing but what I ought to do. Somehow it seems to me, sometimes as if I had not done all I should do for you all. I've been thinking all about what your good friend, the woodman yonder, told you yesterday. And I must say I should not be sorry to hear he was coming to be our neighbour. He might do us all good. There's your mother now. But come, I won't say nothing against her. Maybe if I'd been a different husband she'd have been a different wife and you'd have a better home father miss hamilton told me it was never too late to mend maybe so basil but the longer you put it off the harder it is to do god will help you father if you ask him so they say said jacob in a doubting voice "'I know he will, for he answered me yesterday,' cried Basil earnestly. "'I prayed to him in the stubble-field over against the wood and begged him to help me, and he sent me my good new friend, the woodman, to give me some work and to keep me from stealing. And, oh, father, if you would only pray to God to keep you from—' Basil coloured and hesitated. He had never before had the courage to say so much to his father, and he felt half-afraid to go on. "'I know what you mean, lad. You mean to keep me from spending my time and money at the half-moon.' I know it's wrong, Basil, as well as you can tell me. I know that if I had done different your home would have been different. I have earned enough to keep you all tidy and to bring you up respectably, but when once Drink gets hold of a man, Basil, he's a ruined man for ever, and he drags down his family to ruin with him. Will you try once more, Father?" We'll see, boy, we'll see. This was Jacob Green's favorite saying, and it is a very dangerous one. The habit of procrastination or putting off the performance of any known duty is a sort of madness. A heathen poet tells us to dare to be wise and to begin at once, and a celebrated English divine says that, to be always intending to live a new life, but never to find time to set about it, is as if a man should put off eating and drinking from one day to another till he is starved and destroyed. Jacob did not allude to the subject any more that evening, but he stayed at home and nursed the baby when it was too dark to work in the garden, and Basil felt hopeful as to the future, whilst he did not forget to say his prayers before getting into bed, and to thank Almighty God for all his goodness to him that day. Jacob Green's work lay nearly four miles off, so he was not able to do anything more to the garden before leaving home the next morning, but he called out to Basil as he was going out and told him that if he and the little ones would clear away the weeds in the other part of the garden during the day, he would, maybe, dig a bit more in the evening. All right, father, we'll get the weeds up, never fear. And don't forget Mother's coming home tonight with dear little Annie, father. I'll remember Basil, and maybe I'll come home with them, as your mother asked me. The one half of the garden looked so different to the other when Basil saw it that morning he wondered how he could have allowed the weeds to have remained so long. But it is most true that use makes us familiar with bad habits and vices, and that by indulging in them we not only cease to condemn them but by degrees learn to look at them with complacency, if not with pleasure. How needful, then, to pray for grace to shun the very first beginning of evil! The children worked hard that day. Baby was very good, and Willie and Bobby amused her a great deal leaving Basil leisure to weed the garden. They had nearly finished it by dinner-time, and then Basil could not help being struck with the look of the path leading up to the cottage. It too was full of weeds, but whilst the garden was so likewise it had passed unnoticed. Now it looked so bad that Basil determined to weed that also. He found an old knife which helped him to get up the weeds which were more tightly rooted in the walk than in the other part. When the walk was weeded it looked sadly as if it wanted sweeping but Basil had no broom. Necessity has been called the mother of invention. He had never before felt the want of a broom, and now that he did he remembered having seen some gypsies on the common making brooms of the branches of the heath, which grew plentifully all around the cottage. These boughs of heath were tied firmly on the end of a long stick and made excellent brooms. Basil sent Willie to gather a good bundle of heather. He would have liked to go himself, knowing he could get it quicker than Willie would—' but he had promised his mother not to leave the baby, and he kept his word. Willie was not long, however, and when he came back Basil made a handle for the broom of one of the largest pieces of his wood, and tied the heather on firmly with some string. How proud Basil felt when he had swept the path with a broom of his own making! Bobby was going to litter it all over with leaves and pebbles directly afterward. Poor little fellow! He had never been taught to be neat and tidy— But Basil asked him not to do it, in a kind and gentle manner, not at all angrily, and Bobby did as he was bid at once. "'I want Mother to see the pretty clean path when she comes home, Bobby,' said Basil. The path looked so nice that Basil could scarcely keep from admiring it. Somehow or other the clean path made him think of clean hands, and of what Miss Hamilton said about everybody being able to have clean hands and face if they could not always get good clothes.' Basil got a bowl of water and washed his hands and face, and then he thought babies looked dirtier than ever, so he washed hers also, though baby kicked and cried a good deal, at so unusual a proceeding. Then he made Willie and Bobby and little Frank wash their hands and faces, and I can assure you there was as much improvement in the appearance of the children as there was in the garden path. By that time it was getting very near the hour when they might expect their mother to be coming home and Basil thought they would have time just to go as far as the mill-pond and meet the carrier's cart. So he carefully locked the door of the cottage, put the key in a little hole under the thatch, and taking the baby in his arms, set out, followed by his three little brothers. When they got to the mill-pond the carrier had not yet arrived, so the children stood watching the great wheel going round, splash, splash, in the water, and Bobby asked Basil what it went round so for and basil told him that it turned a mill which ground wheat into flour then they saw some of the miller's men come out from the house and they looked quite white with the flour and the little ones laughed to see them there's old giles coming along i can hear him talking to his horse and i can hear the bells ringing too i wonder if father will be there the carrier's cart had a tilt to it to keep out the rain, and there were three bells on the horse's neck which jingled pleasantly as he went along. Soon the cart was in sight, jogging along at a leisurely pace, and now Basil strained his eyes to see who was in it. Mrs. Green was the first to recognize the group at the mill-pond and waved a handkerchief to them. "'That's Mother's handkerchief,' said Willie. "'And there's Mother herself sitting by Giles, and there's little Annie on her lap. And there's—' "'I don't see anyone else, Basil.' "'But Basil did.' He saw the sleeve of his father's working jacket showing just above his mother's shoulder. "'Let's give a good hurrah, Willie,' said he. The children shouted with all their might. Then the cart stopped, and the carrier helped Mrs. Green down, and then lifted out little Annie, and lastly Jacob himself got out with his tools. "'Dear Annie,' cried Basil, as he kissed her, "'how much better you look!' "'She can walk a little now, Basil,' said her mother." "'But she mustn't walk home, though,' said Jacob, kindly lifting her in his arms. "'Then they walked home afterward, and Annie kept talking to Basil over her father's shoulder. "'Basil was all anxiety to see what his mother would say to the garden. "'Mrs. Green could scarcely believe her eyes. "'I'd better go away again,' she said, smiling, "'since you have done so much whilst I was gone.' "'Why, Basil, the garden path looks just as nice as Aunt Mary's,' said Annie. Well done, boy, said his father. Now I must keep my promise. And Jacob Green did not go near the half-moon that evening. Mrs. Green's sister had given her a nice homemade loaf and some eggs, and part of the half-crown had been expended on an ounce of tea and a little sugar. So the family sat down to a comfortable meal, and Jacob finished digging the other half of the garden before he went to bed. End of chapter 4